0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Unranked with Logan Kelleher. Um, I'm doing good today. I hope everybody else is doing good. It is Monday at the time I'm recording this um, and I believe that's when I said I would have another episode up. So I'm glad I stuck with that. Um, So this past week of college football there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of uh, games going on, as as most people know. As I mentioned, um, the FCS playoffs have been going on. Um, but then besides that, in the FBS, it was just the Army and Navy football game. So since there wasn't a whole lot to cover uh, later in the episode, I will also go over some coaching, coaching changes and who... Who's going to uh, who's going to fill these roles? Um, and over the next couple of weeks, I'll probably do a little bit more in depth. But uh, so just going, just going from the scoreboard, like I do. Navy played Army. Navy came into the game struggling all year round. They were they were three and nine coming in, into the game. Um, and Army, on the other hand, was 9-2. and Army had won the past two games of this series. Navy won the last 14. So Army was kind of trying to get it swayed back into their direction. And they did that this Saturday. They started off, Kelvin Hopkins ran in for a 10-yard score early in the first quarter. And Abercrombie made the extra point to make it a 7-0 to game. And then there was no scoring at all until the third quarter when Abercrombie made a 33-yard field goal for Army. And then in the fourth quarter, it was Navy getting on the board. Garrett Lewis ran in for a one-yard touchdown. The quarterback, Zach Abey started the game, but Garrett Lewis came in to relieve him in the second second uh, half of the game. So that made it 7-10, was in, it was close. But then Army got the ball back, scored. Kelvin Hopkins ran in for a one-yard touchdown. Abercrombie made the extra point, so it was 17-7. to And then that was with a minute 28 left, so Navy couldn't do a lot, down 10 points. So they drove down the field, 10-play, 22-yard drive. And Mooring made a 56-yard field goal for Navy which was not enough, and then Army held on to win 17-10. to 10. So the player of the game for Army, definitely Kelvin Hopkins, Jr., the quarterback, threw for 61 yards, no surprise there. That's actually, actually a good number for an Army or Navy quarterback as they uh, are not known to usually throw the ball. So he threw for 61 yards, 4-of-9 passing ran 18 times for 64 yards and two touchdowns. The attempts, yards, and TDs were all team highs. Um, then also for Army, Darnell Wolfolk ran 16 times for 62 yards, and Kel Walker ran five times for 56 yards, including a 51-yard run. And then on the other hand for Navy, they struggled a lot on offense, um, Garrett Lewis was 5 of 11 for 81 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. And then Zach Abey, who started the game, was 0 for 4 with two interceptions. And then they had they had two other guys throw passes. They had O.J. Davis, one of the wide receivers, and then Malcolm Perry, who was a slot back after starting the season as a quarterback, playing a lot of quarterback last year. This year uh, he threw a pass as well. Both of those guys, they were incomplete. And OJ Davis's pass was actually to Garrett Lewis, who got hit trying to make the catch. And it was on a uh, third or fourth down, I forget which one, but it would have it would have continued the drive, would have gave Navy a chance to keep the drive going and come back and take the lead in the game. But Army played good defense on that play, and it did not work how they wanted it to. So on to the onto the, some of the rushing for Navy. Uh, Malcolm Perry, the converted quarterback to slotback, ran six times for 52 yards, including a 43-yard run, uh, while Anthony Gargiulo, Gargiulo probably did not pronounce that right, but he ran eight times for 38 yards, and then Garrett Lewis ran six times for 14 yards in the touchdown. So that was the Army versus Navy game. Army season is not done yet. They still, or they will get to play in a bowl game. But for Navy, they are done. Three and ten on the season. Army has a date with Houston in the Armed Forces Bowl. That one Saturday, the twenty-second of December, three thirty Eastern Time on ESPN, and that will be a good one to watch. Army playing really well this year. Um, battle a team who's going to be missing their quarterback Derek King Clayton Toon will be playing for them so it should be interesting see if their backup can lead them to a victory um army army should be able to control that game they nearly beat Oklahoma took them to overtime um their only other loss this season was to Duke at the beginning of the season uh they lost 14 to 34 in that one so probably could have had an 11-1 season with a win over a top-five team. Um, so good good job on Army season so far. So now moving into the FCS, where we have the playoffs going on. And in the FCS, it's a lot more teams than just four. They have a 2014 playoff, and we were to the quarterfinals. So eight teams were left, and now there are four who will play in the two semifinal games. The first game happened on Friday, December 7th. It was Maine versus Weber State. Weber State was the 2 seed, Maine was the 7 seed. And Maine Maine handled Weber State pretty well. They held they held them to as a team negative 1 rushing yards on 25 rushes. So and then in for the Counter that Maine ran 31 times for 116 yards. So very defensive game, but Maine also forced Jake Constantine of Weber State, their quarterback, uh, 24 of 52, so under under 50 percent completion percentage, uh, four interceptions as well. Did throw two touchdowns, but the turnovers forced by Maine, along with their ability to stop the run, really helped them win. On the side of Maine, their quarterback did a little bit better. He was at Exactly 50%. Chris Ferguson, the sophomore quarterback, 15-30 for 170 yards, two scores, and an interception thrown. But they had help from their running back, Ramon Jefferson, the redshirt freshman, ran 15 times for 88 yards and a touchdown. And then they had a, they had a number of other rushers, the highest being Ernest Edwards, running three times for 13 yards, their leading junior wide receiver. So Maine wins. Uh, advancing their season, they're ten and three. Weber State also ten and three. Weber State is done this year. Um, and moving on to the number one seed against the number eight seed, it was North Dakota State hosting Colgate, and this was a blowout, thirty-five to zero. Uh, most most people expected this. North Dakota State, a perennial champion in the FCS um they held grant brenneman to 68 yards passing he was 9 of 21 with an interception no touchdowns thrown as evident by the zero points scored and their their running back james holland jr the uh he's a senior he led the patriot league in rushing this year was held to 65 yards on 11 carries uh, Brenneman ran 10 times for 11 yards to be the second-leading rusher for Colgate. While on North Dakota State's side, Easton Stick had a great game, 14 of 19 for 205, and three touchdowns passing, had no interceptions. And along with his effort, they had a great effort from their running back, Bruce Anderson, one of their running backs, a senior, uh, ran 12 times for 124 yards and a score, along with 42 yards, and then Ty Brooks a redshirt junior, ran eight times for 65 yards and a score, and pulled off the victory, continue their undefeated season at 13-0. Colgate ends at 10-2, and North Dakota State moves on to the semifinals. And the team they will play is their rival, the state under, South Dakota State. So the Dakotas getting some representation. Will play each other in the semifinal game, and for South Dakota State, they did a good job of limiting Kennesaw State's rush attack. It's definitely their strong suit. They didn't necessarily they didn't necessarily stop it, but they they uh, kept control of the game for uh, for the majority of the game, and ended up winning twenty seven to seventeen. Some of the key players for Kennesaw State, it was Daniel David, who was in for Chandler Burks. He was 5 of 11 for 94 yards, a touchdown, and an interception, then also ran 13 times for 65 yards and a touchdown. The rushers ahead of him, Uh, Jake McKenzie, a senior running back, ran 13 times for 73 yards. And then Darnell Holland ran 8 times for 92 yards. So they ran the ball well, but the interception did not help. And on South Dakota State's side, Taryn Christian, 12-of-18 for 147, a touchdown and an interception, also ran nine times for 37 yards and a score. And then they also had help from their running back. Pierre Strong Jr. ran 18 times for 112 yards and a touchdown to help them win the game. And they had it 20-3 to in the third quarter. But the fourth quarter, uh, Daniel David threw a touchdown and ran for a touchdown to make it a three-point game with 6.42 left. But South Dakota State took, te- took uh, four minutes and 15 seconds off the clock, 10 plays, 60 yards to score a touchdown. Christian ran in from 15 yards out, making it 27-17. And South Dakota State wins. The five seed beats the four seed. And Kennesaw State season is done at eleven and two. South Dakota State advances to ten and two. Will play North Dakota State. And then the team that gets to play Maine is Eastern Washington after beating UC Davis. Uh, Eric Barrier, twenty one twenty five. Very efficient, 235 yards and three touchdowns. Did have an interception, but also ran 13 times for 43 yards and a touchdown. While the running back Sam McPherson ran 24 times for 143 yards and a score. As opposed to Alonzo Gilliam for UC Davis, 26 carries, 132 yards and two scores. Had a great game on the ground, but what did not help was the three interceptions thrown by UC Davis, two from Jake Meyer, the quarterback, and then Darius Livingston also threw an interception on a trick play. Make Jake Meyer 26 of 38, 234 yards, two scores and two interceptions. And UC Davis had the lead for a for the majority of the game. In the third quarter, or at halftime, it was tied 14 to 14. And then in the third quarter, Meyer threw a touchdown pass to make it 21 to 14. But then Barrier ran in for a touchdown and Alcobendis, the kicker, made the extra point to tie it up. And then with seven twelve left, Eastern Washington, uh, Eric Barrier threw a touchdown pass. Alcobendis made the extra point. And then, and then pass, and then moving on from there, Jake Meyer threw another touchdown pass, this one to Alonzo Gilliam. And then one for two got it, so it was 29-28 to 28 with a minute 13 left. But then Eastern Washington, five plays, 65 yards in 38 seconds, capped off a scoring drive. Sam McPherson ran 35 yards for a touchdown, his second of the day. And or his, his first, sorry, his first touchdown of the day. First and only touchdown. And then they went for two, did not get it, but that would be enough. Eastern Washington, 11 and two. UC Davis, 10 and three. Eastern Washington moves on. So, those games, what they will be next week, we have North Dakota State playing South Dakota State, like I said. And then we have Eastern Washington playing Maine. The first game between the Dakotas, it's going to be at the Fargo Dome in Fargo, North Dakota. North Dakota State has home field advantage game. That is Friday, December 14th, 8 Eastern on ESPN2. And then the next game, Maine and Eastern Washington, it'll be Ch- Ruse Field and Cheney, Washington. So Eastern Washington has a home field advantage against Maine. That'll be 2 p.m. Eastern. Saturday, December 15th, also on ESPN2. So we're to the semifinal games in the FCS. And in the FBS, we're just waiting on bowl season. I've already gone over those. So most likely, you know what's going on. So I thought I'd take a little time and talk about some of the coaching changes that have already happened. And I'm on CBS Sports, so if you want to, you can look this up. Um, so a few... Things that already already happened. Uh, Utah State. Um, Matt Wells moved on to Texas Tech, so now they have Gary Anderson and Matt Wells. Obviously, the quarter the coach this year. Um, they had a very, very. Uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? A very. Very uh, elect- electric offense, uh, fifty points a game for the most part. Um, so definitely good for um, good for Matt Wells. Definitely moving on to uh, bigger and possibly better things. Um, this this happening after uh, Cliff Kingsbury was fired. Um, And for Gary Anderson, he was an assistant head coach and a defensive assistant for Utah this year. Prior to that, he was a head coach at Oregon State from 2015 to 2017, Wisconsin from 2013 to 2014, and Utah State actually from 2009 to 2012. And when he was there, um, four and eight. His first two seasons, and they they were in the WAC, three and five and two and six, first and second year. Then two thousand eleven, they were seven and six, five and two conference record, uh, tied for second in the division. Lost the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. But then the next year, an eleven and two season with a six and zero conference record, first in the WAC. They won the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. So then he went on to Wisconsin directly after that, nine and four. First year eleven and three in the second year, um, and then from there moved on to Oregon St- Oregon State, uh, two and ten his first year, four and eight the second year, and then one and five before being let go. So a chance to come back to Utah State this time in the Mountain West, a uh, little little redemption for the for the head coach. So then the ne- the next. Uh, Next hiring was Jeff Collins for Georgia Tech. And that coming off the Paul Johnson retirement. So Jeff Collins, a little bit of his, his background. He played at Western Carolina as a linebacker from 1989 to 1992. And as a head coach... Or he, he was a head coach at Temple uh, his past two years. He was eight and four this past year. Um, last year for, or the year before, 2017 with Temple seven and six, uh, four and four conference record, won the Gasparilla Bowl this year eight and four, seven and one in the conference. So moving on to Georgia Tech, a step up from the American Athletic to the ACC. So we'll see what he can do there. And then for Liberty, they their head coach, Turner Gill, retired. And Turner Gill, the coach of Liberty, coached there from 2012 to 2018. And... This the first year they were in the FBS, but prior to that, they were in the Big South. He got to the FCS playoffs once in twenty fourteen. Um, uh, four six and five records there, an eight and four record besides a nine and five record prior to that, twenty ten and twenty eleven at Kansas, three and nine and two and ten, and then four year four years in Buffalo resulted in one winning season. So Turner Gill is out, and the man to take his place is Hugh Freeze, who who coached at University of Mississippi, Ole Miss, uh, from twenty twelve to twenty sixteen, and while he was there, in twenty fifteen, had a ten and three record, winning the Sugar Bowl. Won two other bowls, twenty twelve and twenty thirteen. Lost a Peach Bowl in 2014. 2016, There are five and seven. So overall, thirty nine and twenty five record at Ole Miss, three and one in bowls. And so he'll get a chance to come back to coaching here at Liberty. Um Left coaching due to due to scandals within Ole Miss's athletic department. Um. And that's Hugh Freeze replacing Turner Gill at Liberty. And then in Col- at Colorado, Mike McIntyre was fired, uh, replaced by Mel Tucker. Um, he returned to college level as Alabama's as assistant head coach in 2015. Uh, he spent the previous nine seasons in the NFL. Um, Spending a year working under Nick Saban before spending the last three seasons as Georgia's defensive coordinator. He a defensive-minded coach, obviously, because of that. Um, will most likely lead to su- some success at Colorado. And Colorado struggled the second half, half of this season. Uh, lost seven straight games to be knocked out of bowl contention. Uh, moving on from that Maryland Mike Loxley takes over for DJ Durkin um, he was he's been a assistant at Maryland for 10 years uh, was the offensive coordinator at Illinois so he has big Ten experience and with all the talent at Maryland already it's gonna help they they've had obviously some adversity this year. Um, the sad news of one of their players passing. Um, So definitely in search of a better culture, and Mike Loxley might be able to help that. And then probably the biggest change, uh, Urban Meyer retiring from coaching, replaced by Ryan Day. Um, He worked under Chip Kelly and now Urban Meyer. Uh, Chip Kelly in the NFL, Urban Meyer in college. Um, The offense this year, over 43 points a game. And Dwayne Haskins, a first-year starter. um, Something else I'll talk about, was a Heisman finalist in his first year, so definitely did some things there with a a great quarterback already. Um, Ryan Day was the interim head coach, or he coached for the first three games. Urban Meyer was suspended um and did well. First game Oregon State put up 77 points and then I believe the next game was against Tulane if I'm not mistaken or that might have been after TCU. I'm not quite positive on that, but started the started the uh started the year off on a high note beat TCU. Of course they were they were uh behind a lot in that game but a strong second half propelled them to the, to the win. So he was 3 and0, won his first three games. Uh, second game was Rutgers, 52 to three in that one. So definitely definitely a very good offensive coach. Uh, it's gonna gonna be interesting to see what he can do to that culture and see see how they move on from there. And in Charlotte. Uh, Brad Lambert fired. Will Healy takes his place. Kosha um, Austin Austin P. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, 13 and 21. There, he's only 33, so one of the youngest FBS head coaches. Um. And he turned it around. That 13 and 21 record, highlighted by an 0 and 11 first season. But won eight and four in his second year, only lost one game to an FCS opponent. Coach of the year in the Ohio Valley Conference, and won FCS Coach of the Year. Yeah, turn, turning the team around like that. Uh, Austin P was one and forty-five in his previous forty-six games before going oh and eleven and then eight and four. So, a team that had won one game, and that was that was probably five years to win eight in one year definitely good news for charlotte they have a guy who could most likely turn around this program um some other some other news uh some big names mac brown uh is going to north carolina larry fedora was fired north carolina struggled this year uh coach here over 20 years ago um see if they can turn around that North Carolina team. And then in Kansas, Les Miles um, is going to be going to be replacing Dave Beatty who was fired. Um, Kansas has struggled for a while but Les Miles was a good coach at LSU and could bring some recruits to Kansas um, possibly and might be able to turn around the Jayhawks team. They have success in basketball, so he might be able to give the team some success in football. Um, and then some extensions. Uh, Josh Heupel at UCF extended to the 2024 season. Justin Wilcox at Cal extended to the 2023 season. Barry Odom at Missouri extended through the 2024 season. Bill Clark at UAB extended to he has an extension (laughs) uh Jeff Brom at Purdue is staying he he uh was rumored to be going to Louisville but he's staying at Purdue which may be good for them um Clay Helton stays at USC even though they've been struggling uh, Lovie Lovey Smith extended um, at Illinois. So hopes that he can give that team some wins. Um, Chris Ash still at Rutgers, but after 111 year. Don't know how long that will be. And then Mike Bobo at Colorado State is staying. Um, definitely, definitely on the hot seat, but has a chance to better himself, and better, better better, the team in Colorado. So looking at what happened this weekend, um, the Heisman, Heisman Award Ceremony happened on Saturday. And the three finalists were Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State, Tua Tagoveloa from Alabama. And then they also had Kyler Murray from Oklahoma. I, I knew that. I was just I was just trying to figure out how to say it. Um so the winner, of course, was Kyler Murray. Um from Oklahoma. Had a good year. Um Although definitely, definitely deserving of it were, were uh, Dwayne Haskins and Tua Tagovailoa. Both had great seasons for their teams. Um, specifically, looking at Dwayne Haskins first, out of Ohio State, they were twelve and one. Dwayne Haskins was um, was a quarterback this year after J.T. Barrett graduated, moved on to the NFL, a, a guy who had some pretty big shoes to fill, but Dwayne Haskins stepped into the role, played it well over the course of the season, was 348 of 496 passing, 4,580 yards, 47 touchdowns, eight interceptions for an 175.8 rating, also ran the ball 73 times for 122 yards, so not significant numbers. Not known as a runner. Had four touchdowns, three of those coming against Maryland in their in their win. There had to come back from behind in that one, and that that honestly is probably why Dwayne Haskins didn't win it. He did a lot, led the led the nation in passing yards and touchdowns, um, but a lot of the reason why he probably didn't get it is they really did not have control in a lot of games against TCU. They were down. They were down at halftime 14 to 13. And then in the third quarter, you know, they're down 21 to 13. But then, but then from there, you know, scored the last 27 points or scored 27 out of the last 34 34 points. Yeah, 27 out of the last 34 points. TCU scored one more touchdown. They won it 40 to 28. But then some struggles against other teams. Ohio State. Um, beat Penn State by one. They were they were down in that game. Uh, quickly, they were down 13-0. to um, Scored two touchdowns. Ohio State did to make it 14-13. But then two touchdowns from Penn State made it 26-14. to And then Ohio State closed it out with two scores. But we're down multiple times by 13. And then, you know, against Indiana, didn't really have control of that game. It was you know still still a close game all the way, or it didn't really it didn't really escape Indiana until the fourth quarter when they really uh, took it out of the way because in the third quarter Indiana closed made it an eleven point game or uh, actually actually made a a nine point game before I have to say pulled away. Next week or next game against Minnesota. Minnesota quickly, quickly got a hold of the lead 14 10, but then um, Ohio State scored the last 20 points and won the game. Um, and then the blowout in Purdue, a lot of people know about 49 to 20, was just a bad offensive showing on Ohio State side, couldn't do anything, didn't run the ball well. Dwayne Haskins, that was one of his better games. But 73 pass attempts is not something Ohio State's known for, definitely. And then barely got away from Nebraska. A struggling Nebraska team at 2-7 at that point. Or 2-6 going into that game. Kept it close the whole game. Um, It was 21-16 in Nebraska's favor going into halftime. Ohio State did score two scores in the third quarter and make it 30-21. to 21. But then in the fourth quarter, Nebraska with 257 left did close it to within five points. we're actually had a six-point game early in the fourth quarter. So barely got away from them. Uh, controlled Michigan State, beat Michigan pretty badly, beat Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship, but then Maryland. They gave up 51 points to them. Would have lost that game if... The pass was thrown a little bit more forward for Piggerome at the end, but let McFarland almost run for 300 yards on him, 298 yards, 21 attempts. For Maryland, they were they were up 17 to three at the end of one, up 24 to 17 at halftime. In the third quarter, still up, they were up 31 to 24, and it wasn't until the fourth quarter that Ohio State really came back. And then, like I said, barely won it in overtime. Um, so, Ohio State, a lot of games where they could have lost. Um, Dwayne Haskins definitely had an impact in those games, but I think I just think the lack of control in the games is really what um, aided in maybe not letting uh, Dwayne Haskins win the Heisman. So then for Alabama, you know, obviously it was Tua Tagovailoa who had the lead for a while, and I'm not going to go through all the games because everybody knows I've talked about it a lot. They had control in a lot of games, so I'll just talk about one game, the game that matters the most, and it was Georgia. In this game, this is the game that Tua Tagovailoa actually had to play, actually had to lead his team to, you know, win the game. Play the whole game, and he struggled in this game. Ten of twenty-five for 164 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions, uh, was sacked three times, lost 21 yards off those. So just a just a very, you know, just bad game for him in general. Jalen Hurts came in, had a perfect game, and in, in uh, getting them back in the game. But on the season, you know, it's the crazy numbers that everybody talks about. 199 of 200, 294 passing, 3,353 3, yards, 37 touchdowns to four interceptions, and two of those came in the Georgia game. So we had two in 12 games, which is just astonishing. 202.3 rating, ran it 48 times for 190 yards, five touchdowns, also not as much of a rusher. So that Georgia game, probably what knocked him out of the lead. And then the last guy, you know, who won the game is actually going to play Tua in the semifinals of the college football playoff. So going to be a little bit of a showcase of two Heisman finalists, which is definitely going to be pretty crazy to watch. Both teams have electric offenses, especially from the quarterback position. And for Oklahoma, you know they had they had a lot of close games, but you know one won all of them. I won't go through as many of those, but uh, just one of the biggest things: um, Oklahoma and Texas this year. They met earlier in the season. Oklahoma lost by three in that one. It was Kyler Murray. He threw an interception, but did account for almost 400 total yards of offense, five total touchdowns. Um, and then going into the, the conference championship game, um, you know, didn't make as many mistakes, didn't throw an interception, 25 of 34 for 379 yards, three scores added 39 yards on the ground, won that game. So in, against the case of Dwayne Haskins, where, you know, They had, or Oklahoma, they won the games based on their offense, and Kyler Murray was a big part of that. Uh, But in the game that mattered, you know, Dwayne Haskins won, Tua Tagovailoa did not play well. But Kyler Murray, on the other hand, won the, you know, won the game, played well at the quarterback, and got revenge on a Texas team that beat them earlier in the season. So Kyler Murray won it with the stat line of, 241 completions, 340 attempts, 4053 yards, 40 touchdowns, seven interceptions, a 205.7 rating, and then also ran it 123 times for 892 yards along of 75 yards and 11 touchdowns. So accounted for 51 total touchdowns, tied tied with uh, Dwayne Haskins, um, but definitely had more total yards than him. Uh, almost five thousand probably will break that in the college football playoff semifinal game. Um, and it's just crazy to crazy to witness that. Uh, three really good players who all could have won it. Uh, definitely something that you know not not a lot of people get to see in their lifetime. Three guys who in separate years probably all would have won it. So. The last thing I want to talk about um, is the award winners. And there were a few announced. Um, And some names there that, you know, are pretty obvious. Um, And then some that are um, you know, they're, they're there. So player of the year, Maxwell award, and Walter camp award, both go to two attack of Alabama, the, um, home Depot award coach of the year, uh, goes to Brian Kelly of Notre Dame, getting his team to the college football playoff. The Jim Thorpe award for best defensive back, goes to DeAndre Baker of Georgia. Was a prime part of that stellar defense. Um, Had two interceptions, but that's definitely not all he did. Um, The Davey O'Brien Award for Best Quarterback goes to Kyler Murray, who also won the Heisman The Remington Trophy for Best Center goes to Garrett Bradbury of NC State. The Lou Groza Award for Best Place Kicker goes to Andre Smith of Syracuse. Buckus Award for Best Linebacker goes to Devin White of LSU. The Doak Walker Award for Best Running Back goes to Jonathan Taylor of Wisconsin. The Boletnikoff Award goes to the Best Wide Receiver, that's Jerry Judy of Alabama. The John Mackey Award for Best Tight End goes to TJ Hawkinson of Iowa. The Outland Trophy for Best Interior Lineman goes to Quinton Williams of Alabama. The Ray Guy Award for Best Punter goes to Braden May- Man of Texas A&M. And the Bednirk Award and Nagurski Trophy for Defensive Player of the Year go to Josh Allen of Kentucky. The Disney Spirit Award for Most Inspirational goes to Tyler Trent of Purdue. Um, and then the William V. Campbell Trophy for Academic Heisman goes to Christian Wilkins for of Clemson. The Werfel Trophy for Community Service goes to Drew Tranquil of Notre Dame. And the Broyles Award for Best Assistant Coach goes to Mike Locksley of Alabama. So, the awards are out. Heisman's out. The regular season's done. Now it's bowl season. So, no. As always, watch some games. I think this is where I'm going to end this one. Uh... Thanks for listening again, um, and I'll have probably probably a better episode next week. I'll have more to talk about after the Bulls the first uh, series of bowls happen, um, and expect expect that episode on Monday as well. So thanks for listening, and I hope I can talk to you again next week. This was another episode of Unranked with Logan Kelleher. I'm your host, Logan Kelleher, saying goodbye.